Meet Otto. He's a clean-cut kid in a dirty business. He repossesses cars. He's a repo man. You're going to give me my car back, or do I got to go to your house and shove your dog's head down the toilet? His mission is to repossess a 64 Chevy, but hidden within its trunk. What you got in the trunk? You don't want to look in there. Is the most important discovery in the history of our planet. Repo Man. It's a mystery. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. Out of the blue, no explanation. It's a comedy. What are you doing? Don't do that! It's a chase. It's the forces of law. Marlene, I'm on my coffee break. Against the representatives of discontented youth. Against the finest minds in government. I had a lobotomy in the end. Lobotomy? Isn't that for loonies? Not at all. And they're all in pursuit of a 64 Chevy Malibu from who knows where. Blam! Eyes melt, skin explodes, everybody dead. Repo Man. The story of the ultimate repossession. Repo Man. Not just a job, it's an adventure. Welcome to another episode of The Night Party, where we leave it all on the cutting room floor. I'm, of course, your illustrious host, Zach Evergreen. Find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Zach Evergreen. Night Party Pod, everywhere else. Find us there. Of course, this is The Night Party. Um, And, of course, to our Patreon, patreon.com slash knifepartypod. If you're an iOS user and you can't afford a dollar, sorry, we're not on iOS. You can get some videos up on YouTube, but because they pull me constantly for music use such as this, even though under parody law, this is totally legal, go fuck yourself. Um, That's to uh, uh, iTunes and YouTube. But you can also find us at uh, knifepartypod.podbean.com. Anyway, today we're talking Repo Man. And not the... uh, I'm not going to say recent one, but the one made in the aught-2000s about organs. No, this is a, it's about a Chevy Malibu and a plate of shrimp. Um, it's a fantastic movie. It is... I would put this up against Reanimator or Plan 9 from Outer Space as probably the most cult out-of-cult movies. And The Crow, too. Because this movie came out in 84, and... Its resurgence just exploded during the DVD, um, you know, when when PS4 came out and DVDs weren't $500, you know, they're only $200. Um, This movie took off big time. But before that, there was these things called cassettes and and, uh, uh, CDs, and that's actually what got this movie started. We'll get all into that in a second. Um, 
So as I said, 1994, this got a Rotten Tomatoes review of 98%. Wow. That is amazing. I rarely, and I mean rarely, agree with Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I do on this. Obviously, Terminator as well, the 100%. That's still probably my active favorite movie. Though, I don't know, man. After watching Starship Troopers, I remember why I fell in love with that movie. Did you guys like that episode? I know that girl was a little nutty, but I mean, dude, she, like I said, I met her at a bar. She's hitting on my dad, yet she's my age. And I just said, hey, do you like podcasts? <laughs> and then just I brought her over. I thought it would be fun to have a female voice on there. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it pissed somebody off out there. Everyone's mad at me for something. <clears throat> so this is when Emilio Estavez was just cutting his teeth. He didn't want to use his father Sheen's name because he wanted to kind of make it out on his own, kind of doing the Nick Cage thing, which I respect. Out of that family, he's definitely the superior out of every actor. Anyway, um, Alex Cox was the director and filmmaker of this. Um, the Edge City was a prototype for this movie, which was like a 30-minute short he did in college. And he also did the movie Sid and Nancy. And he was obsessed with like this subculture of punk and punk rock and just the punk movement in L.A. And we do know there was one on the East Coast as well with the Maroons, but... Um, the Ramones and that scene was not the same as like the, th that became thrash later, or not thrash, sorry, um, hardcore, East Coast hardcore, which is a lot different from what LA became, which was the thrash movement. So all this punk music set up for stuff like Metallica and Megadeth and, you know, where over there, um, I guess you consider Anthrax there, where over there you had Carnivore and you had uh, Biohazard and you had, you know, the hardcore scene. So while similar in both counterculture, very different genres of music. So when people say punk, sometimes you'll scratch your head. You're like, does he mean Black Flag, Misfits or Ramones? I mean, does he mean Sex Pistols or Circle Jerks? Because even though they're still under that category, shit, even early goth was considered that, like, Nosferatu were considered punk. But Alex was obsessed with this music coming out at the time and this, this counterculture that he wanted to really make a film about it. But here's the thing. Um, this movie took so long to make that he was never settled on one idea, and this script changed so often. Um that it really never had a direction. I just played you the original trailer from the movie and even the guy reading the trailer sounds confused. This is a very, very interesting and all over the place movie. It definitely doesn't know what it wants to be, but that's okay because Repo Man is a fucking certified classic at 98% also on the Evergreen Tomato Meter. If it wasn't for its soundtrack, I would bump this down 10 points. But the soundtrack is fantastic. I'm playing the entire soundtrack throughout this whole podcast, just so you can get an idea by it, uh, about it. Um, obviously, you could rip it free on YouTube, and it's also on Spotify or wherever you get music. Um, 
It's 38 uh, minutes of just pure fucking 1984 balls to the walls, like thrashy, punky rock and roll. And there's even some like weird song, like poppy songs in there, like Pablo Picasso by Burning Sensations or Bad Man by the black dude in this movie. Uh, His name escapes me. I have it written down, though. Don't worry. Um, It also has uh, Juicy Bananas. Yeah, do that song, I believe. And um, yeah, and then the Circle Jerks, of course, do a special version of Shit Hits the Fan, which is like a lounge version, which is hilarious. So this music definitely sets the tone. We've talked about this before. I, I remember I said to Antonius, I think if you were to turn off the sound, you take away 80% of the movie, easy. And that's everything from the Foley artist, but also the soundtrack is super important. So, um, yeah, as I said, Cox wanted to be a part of the scene, but couldn't play an instrument. And so he would do documentaries of his bands or he'd just film them and try to like do voiceover and whatever. And then finally he gets a chance to do a repo man. And, uh, he goes, I'm just going to make this crazy fucking movie. And at the time, uh, the people that own this, I think it was universal at first. were just like, we're selling our company or they're getting bought out or they're buying out a bunch of movies in this this film sat on the shelf. It actually only aired for two weeks. I'll get to that in a second. Cox's neighbor um, was a real-life repo man, and that kind of got him into the script of how do you combine punk rockers with the, the, this guy's awesome, cool stories about being a, a legitimate thief um, that's fringe legal of what he's doing, you know, which is very punk rock. So... Uh, Cox then made a four-page comic book. Uh, we've <laughs> we've heard this before, haven't we, on the show? Seems like a lot of good movies start out like The Thing had the same uh, uh, same uh, situation happen. Where see, I didn't want to say thing and thing in the same uh, sentence. Thought it would be dumb. Um, but yeah, he made this four-page comic book that was doubled as a screenplay and all the art style was like really really detailed and um there was a repo man comic that actually continued throughout uh there was not a single a single a sequel to this movie uh there was talks of it i'm glad it didn't see the light of day because dude you need to lay off the fucking sequels man if you make a sequel, you only have a 10% chance that's even watchable, and you only have a 5% chance if it's less than that, if it's even going to be as good. I mean, think about how many sequels are better than the original. Not many. One can argue Aliens. One can, uh, can argue Terminator 2. I say nay to both. You could definitely make the argument that Return of the Killer Tomatoes is better, because it is. So this movie was bought dirt cheap. Um, I think it was in the single million dollar range, if not cheaper. Dennis Hopper was originally going to play Harry Dean Stratton's character. Um, I'm glad he... I love Dennis Hopper, don't get me wrong, but Harry Dean Stratton is a natural in this. And I watched an interview with him about the movie right after. And he... That character he plays is him. And in fact... There's a couple of scenes that are ad-lib, like when he attacks uh, 
the Rodriguez brothers with a baseball bat. He was super frustrated and just like actually did that and they just kept it in the film. And uh, a lot of teenagers look, I wouldn't say looked up to him, but said he was like a real adult because he's just sees through the bullshit. We'll get to that when we talk about um, Siskel and Ebert. Um, so Cox actually personally con um, contacted every one of the bands in this movie and asked for permission, which I think is awesome. Eli, how come you don't contact anybody when we get in trouble for YouTube? Yeah, that's your job. No, this is why we're getting taken down all the time. Why don't you handle your shit? I don't care about your week. Look, you're the one that fucked up and got a divorce, not me. I don't want to hear about it. So yeah, he uh, did all the groundwork himself, which I think is really awesome. Um, Universal pulled this movie after only two weeks. Two, one, two, 14 days. But then the soundtrack was gangbusters. People kept buying it over and over and over again, especially on vinyl. This was like a, I'm, by the way, if you guys, someone has a vinyl of this, contact me. I will pay you what you paid for it, plus a $10 tip, plus I'll pay shipping and handling. I really want a copy of this record. And I'm, but I want like an old school. I don't want like a reissue, you know what I mean? So if you guys have one of these, you let me know. I'll make it worth your while. All right. So it bombed so bad, but then it got like a cult following. It's kind of like a Rocky Horror thing. I actually would think this is the only movie above this would be Rocky Horror when it comes to cult status. And I think that's only the reason why is because Rocky Horror kind of like has a stigma to it where you kind of have to like it even if you don't. Because I try to get talked into it and I'm like, look, this movie's just not good. Meatloaf is the best part. I love this music, man. I could. That's probably why I'm having a little bit more dramatic pause. So, uh, Robert Eater. Uh, Robert Eater. <laughs> That's a poor name. Robert Ebert loved this movie. Um, the soundtrack sold 50,000 copies within the first year, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and uh, this only got 4 million in the, tra uh, in the uh, theaters for those two weeks, but it only cost 1.8. Uh, million dollars to make so at least they doubled their investment but because they got permission for all that songs dude you know they saw some back end on that soundtrack and then they put this movie back in in the theaters I think it was like eight weeks later and there it sat for a while um, but let's talk about uh, Roger Ebert I think if I play this button our next movie is named Repo Man and the plot of this movie which is as different from Kayanaskatsi as you can probably get, the plot of this movie probably holds the record for the longest reach of 1984. It reaches all the way from a team of men who repossess cars to aliens from outer space. And along the way, it develops a wacky, offbeat sense of humor with a lot of satire on the American consumer society. The film stars Emilio Estevez as a young kid who's looking for a job. And it also stars the legendary character actor Harry Dean Stanton as the veteran repo man who explains the ropes to him. So how much do I get paid? 25 bucks a car? Paid? You don't get paid. Are you kidding? You work on commission. That's better than being paid. Most cars you rip are worth two or three hundred dollars. Fifty thousand dollar Porsche might make you five grand. 
It turns out that one of the cars they want to repossess has an alien in the trunk. Oh, Dookie Wookie hurt his little hand. You, Archie, just for that you're not in the gang anymore. I'm taking over now. Oh, leave it out. King Archie, the Invincible. Shut up, Archie. Hey, Debbie, watch this. <laughs> The special effects don't overwhelm this movie, and so when they do show up, like there, it's a great surprise. Repo Man is one of the truly original American films of recent years, and so maybe it's no surprise that it was directed by an outsider, Alex Cox, an Englishman, whose second film was the punk docudrama I just mentioned called Sid and Nancy. This is a movie that slams a lot of different aspects of American culture into each other head-on, and then it stands back to watch the sparks fly. And you know what I think one of the cult... Uh, items in this movie is, and that really, basically, teenagers are renting this film. Yes, I know. They like the old guy. They like Harry Dean Stanton. He is one of these people in the 55 to 60-year-old age group who seems to speak the same language as disaffected teenagers, and when he gives them the repo code, which is uh, how to live like a repo man, it's almost like an ersatz uh, code for for teenage life. Okay, and I would have thought that the reason the kids are running this film, which I didn't like as much as you, is because of all the rebellious uh, and humorous stuff in the film. When mm -hmm. they talk about, let's go get sushi and not pay for it, uh -huh. that gets a big, big laugh in the theaters, yeah. and I'm sure it's funny at home. See, I think one of the key things in, the, in this cult stuff at home is, it is not being rented by the typical home renter, which is a little bit older. I yeah, think right. that kids who go to the movies a lot are also renting these films a lot, and I think that a key to any cult movie in the theater or at home, is that it be anti-authoritarian against the establishment, and this film certainly well, is that. Well, then who could be more anti-authoritarian than the old anti-authoritarian himself, Mr. H.D. Stanton? I fucked that one up, didn't I? It's okay. Eli, edit that out. I know you're not going to. This is why you're still eating cat food. If you want to graduate to rice with chili paste and soy sauce, start fucking pulling your keeper. Cat food it is. <laughs> In fact, that's Taste of the Wild. That is, that is expensive. I will switch you over to Blue Buffalo as soon as you eat your Taste of the Wild. Fucking asshole. The audience only gave this 78%, but I think I'm sure people listening to this would agree with my 98, or at least high 90s. I know a couple of people, this is their favorite movie, and this is like a monthly watch, which a young Zach Evergreen 20 years ago in the same exact place I'm sitting right now, I used to watch this movie, not daily, but fucking might as well have been. This movie really isn't even, because it's so all over the place, the scenes, as important they are, aren't as important as the dialogue in this movie. Harry Dean Stratton, they just talked about him. He's got the repo code, and uh, some of the rules are, I will not cause harm, nor to the harm of anything within the vehicle. Uh, one of them is, you know, only an asshole gets killed over a car. Um, when, when someone's got a car marked, he will not go after it except for when the Malibu comes into place, that's when he starts breaking his code, and that's when he kind of becomes a little unhinged. He even gets fired from his job. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Never damage a car, no one gets killed over a car, don't mess with the cont uh, contents of the, this is like three simple rules. 
Oh, yeah, and he also doesn't ride with uh, communists. Or Christians, neither. His word's not mine. Um, the trunk. Uh, the scene with the trunk in the very beginning. Um, so this trunk has aliens in it, you know. And they're decomposing and they let off radioactive uh, rays that will vaporize you very quickly. And uh, this idea that one of the scenes in the beginning of the movie is a uh, police officer pulls over the vehicle and he goes, you don't want to look in the trunk. And he goes, give me the car keys. And he opens up the door and he's vaporized. Just You see a skeleton and then you see a light and then you just see a pair of smoking boots. This is actually taken from a movie called Kiss Me Deadly. But uh, you probably remember something similar to the movie Raiders of Lost Ark. Um, the effects are a lot better on that, but, oh, here goes a fun fact. If you're watching, um, the remake of Halloween, the one that came out in, I want to say 2018, 2019, uh, the babysitter and, uh, one of the babysitters rather, and one of the kids, um, the babysat, if you will, they are actually watching Repo Man and this scene flies on there, which I think is pretty funny. Um, in every Halloween movie, uh, the one with Rob Zombie, he did it too, and the one with uh, the original, it's funny because they always show what movie they're watching. Now, I don't remember the Rob Zombie one, but I do remember... What's the Rob Zombie one? Repo Man one? Huh. Um, I do know the original uh, John Carpenter, though. The funny thing about it is uh, we were... Uh, Mr. Ugly Shoes and I were talking about the movie The Thing, directed by John Carpenter. They're actually watching that in the movie which I just realized right now, like 10 seconds ago, it's not even in my notes, which is kind of cool. Um, let's see. Um, oh, the alien, the pictures that Lila, who by the way, gets hotter looking is the older I get. I used to think she was, eh, but I don't know, maybe it's her voice or her hair or whatever, but like, she just seems like a fun chick, if you know what I mean. Um, but those, those pictures were just filled condoms and they were bent and tied in weird ways. So, yeah, he goes, it looks like sausage. Well, you put your sausage in there. Actually, I don't wear condoms. I do not like them. I, they're just gross. I mean, they're easy cleanup, but besides that, you know, what's the... Hey, man, it's not fun unless it's messy. So, uh, is Miller an alien? I believe so. It's a, like, running debate. He could just be a Scientologist. This movie's got a lot of Scientology elements in it. It's funny because it goes from a punker movie to, to like, the strife of the 80s of the economy crash and all that good stuff. And then it turns into a sci-fi chase movie about Scientology. I don't know. It is weird. It is what it is, man. Um, Los Alamos theory. So a lot of people think that that's actually where the uh, aliens crash landed that went to Roswell, New Mexico. And Los Alamos is uh, outside of L.A. Even in the beginning of the movie, they kind of show the tracker, this like green screen tracker. And uh, this is obviously used by the uh, the government who are tracking down, um, you know, the, the Chevy Malibu. 
Uh, you have to kind of watch the movie to see the map to go, oh, yeah, yeah that was in the beginning of the movie in the credit scene. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the credit scene, um, Iggy Pop said this movie saved his life because he was so into drug addiction and everything else, and this movie came out, and when uh, Mr. Cox said, hey, um, I need you to make a song for me, if you would, I'm working on this movie, he said it turned his life around. Now, this came out in 84. I'm pretty sure Iggy Pop did drugs after that, but there you go. That That's just... It's just what I read when I did my deep dive in this movie. I did do a deep dive, too. I've been working on this movie for about a week. Um, and it's hard to find a lot of stuff. Um, and a lot of the uh, people that I know that really like this movie are other podcasters. And I didn't want to steal what they said note for note, you know. I don't want to be that guy who just goes, I'm going to take your shit and I'm going to fucking just put it. I'm not, I'm not going to mencia you. So, um, you know, I try to give out information that maybe other people didn't know so that's why i did such a, a hard dive i, I uh, listened to a few interviews and that's where i got a lot of my information um i don't really trust some sources when you go on say like wikipedia and then you go on imdb and it's like the year is even off and that happens more often than you'd think and if i look at your thing and it goes 1986 and i'm like no this is 1984 it, that's a clear red flag right so there you go uh, Dick Rude um, was the co-collaborator on this movie. Uh, he is the main punker. The let's get sushi and 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 not pay. Uh, he he was best friends with Cox, and I think they were roommates at the time. And he helped write it, and he was supposed to be Otto, but uh, Universal just basically said, "Apps." Oh, fuck, I said basically. They said, we got to have some name in here. And Emilio Estavez was a cheap get. He obviously is family, I wouldn't say royalty, but, you know, he comes from a bloodline of actors. So there you go. Um, but he, you know, he, he ended up on his feet, dude. He, he's got one of the coolest roles, I would think. I mean, he is the leader of the gang and all. Um, he has the best death scene in this movie it's so funny it's the liquor store robbery scene where like just everyone gets killed by another it's like a mexican standoff but every bullet hits everybody except for Otto. and Otto's just like whoa that was crazy and he's the only one unarmed here goes another funny part harry dean stratton refuses to use a gun but he breaks the repo code at this point because he he uh, no longer has his gig at helping hand accepted corporation so he actually does start carrying a gun now had he not he probably wouldn't have died in this well not he doesn't die but you know what i mean not get shot um so obviously for for the the malibu they use this black and white or sorry black and white black light green paint that covered uh the entire vehicle and they used um, black lights to shine on it to make it, you know, glow. This should be obvious. Um, the raining ice cube scene is really cool. I don't know how they did this because it rains ice cubes for quite the minute. It's not just, you know, somebody's just dumping it. So I don't, I think what they probably did, and this is just my speculations, 
they probably used either a uh, bobcat tractor or an articulating boom lift and just slowly poured ice cubes over it. I think the articulating boom lift probably would have been the most practical. That being said, you're dumping ice Dude, that's fucking hail. Even if it's from just like 15 or 20 feet, that's like dumping marbles on you. You got to remember ice is harder than, than your teeth. That's why they say never chew ice. And by the way, if your significant other likes to chew ice, that means he or she is sexually frustrated. So man up or, you know, woman up and, you know, lay it down. They'll appreciate this. this is a public service announcement from here at the knife party. Um, so uh, Cox, Alex Cox provided the script for Fear and Loathing and Las Vegas or in Las Vegas and for Sid Nancy, which is pretty cool. In fact, he had a huge helping hand in Sid Nancy. Some some sources say he directed it. Some people say he didn't, but he definitely wrote the screenplay. And same with Fear and Loathing, which is pretty neat. Um, because uh, Fear and Loathing is one of those movies that we, I think my generation should really like and we were supposed to like, but it kind of hit flat, even though I really do like that movie. Um, and it's got all the ingredients for a great movie. I don't know why it falls flat with me a little bit. Because, I mean, I give that like an 82, 83%, but that movie should be, I think it's because it came out when a lot of other great movies came out. Like, right, that was... Kingpin, Bing Lebowski, that movie I'm pretty sure all came out the same year, if not within a year. I think that was 97, 98. I want to say 98. Sounds about right to me. So, um, the 1964 Chevy Malibu was a one of a kind and it really actually was stolen. Now, I don't mean in the movie, I mean in real life. It was a one of a kind because it had like a certain paint job that like the other ones did not have. And someone fucking stole it. Like during the filming about a stolen car, the car gets stolen, which is pretty fantastic. Um, it was found, it was joyrided. I don't think it was too destroyed, but they got it back and like, cool, filming commences. So there's some scenes in this movie where you don't see the car, and that's where I suspect that uh, they actually did some of the, the filming around the fact that they are missing this vehicle. Either way, I think that's pretty funny. So Mick Jagger, believe it or not, Mick Jagger, Rolling Stones, wanted to play Otto, or was propositioned to play auto. Uh, I don't know why. Um, it makes no sense to me. I know Mick Jack, this is almost 40 years ago. This is 38 years ago when this movie came out, but uh, Mick Jagger is like a mummy now and he still looked like shit then and he definitely wasn't a teenager. So I think he was in his 40s when this came out. But anyway, aren't you glad that didn't happen? Um, also, Michael Mesmerth. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of this band called The Monkees, but he helped produce this movie. He saw a lot of potential in it, and he actually uh, helped get the word out there. Something you should be doing, Eli, you fuck. Um, and uh, helped get it funding and publishing, so that's pretty cool. And you know what? 
Um, I know it's kind of a short episode, but that's all I could find on Repo Man. Um, so I, I guess I'll filibuster a little bit. Some of my favorite scenes. Um, you gotta love the scene, uh, Too Late You Already Are, where Otto brings in his first repo and doesn't realize he's doing it. He thinks he's driving uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character to uh, drop off, you know, his wife's car. And then they hand him money and he goes, I'm not going to be no repo man. Fuck that. And they throw him a beer and he just pours it on the ground. And then, um, you know, Lorraine goes, uh, too late. You already are. Uh, that's a great scene. Um, the whole scene where Harry Dean Stratton and Otto are buying some beer and he's trying to explain the repo code to him. And then um, the, after they leave the liquor store, like his friends come up with shotguns and they're robbing that store. They robbed this store about three or four times in the movie. And then he goes, wasn't that Otto? Of course, you forget the scene where Otto is about to have sex with uh, Lila and, uh, oh, isn't Lila? No. Anyway, uh, the punker chick, and then he goes, excuse me why I fold my pants. And she goes, Otto, give me a, and no, no, then he lays down and goes, okay, you can begin. Meaning like, I don't know, I just think it's hilarious. And then, uh, you know, she goes, Otto, give me a beer, and he comes back up, and then Duke is up there. Duke is like the uh, co-creator guy I was just talking about, the main punker. This music is from the scene where he steals his first car. It's pretty funny. This is uh, De La Cruz by Juicy Bananas. It's pretty good music. Let's give it a listen, shall we? All right. <laughs> Fucking soundtrack is rocking on here, man. I'm telling you, if you like punk rock or... Your neighbors are, are of, of Mexican descent and you want to throw a party, you just fucking blare this, man. It's good shit. There's the best version of Secret Agent Man on here, too, called Hambre Siquetro. It's very good. Oh, shit. What else? Uh, great scenes. Oh, they have a chase scene. Um, Harry Dean Stratton's character uh, and um, the Rodriguez brothers. They actually have a chase scene in the same aqueduct in Terminator 2, which is a fun fact. Um, when you see it, you'll know it. You go, yeah, that's it. And that's when uh, Harry Dean Strand comes out and he goes, God damn Rodriguez brother gypsy dildo punks, which is one of the funniest fucking insults you could ever yell at anybody. Call him a gypsy dildo. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Pretty sure a gypsy dildo would feel good if it was in the right spot for girls and boys. Um, shit. The ending is very fast, meaning once this movie gets to, like, all right, we figured out what we are, this movie goes from, like, you know, 20 to 80 very quickly. It seems like the whole movie is character development to the last 20 minutes, and then it takes off. And, I mean, we get violence, we get explosions... We get the United Fruit Cake Outlet. We get like Televangelist. We have SWAT team. We have the uh, CIA. We have the army. We have Helping Hand. We have the drug cartel. Everyone's looking for this goddamn car. And it becomes like it's a mad, 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 mad world. That's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It becomes that. Or rat race if you're a little younger. But yeah, it, it gets really good, man. I, I don't know. I It's my, uh, making of repo man you know it's it's all you know what it's just all about a plate of shrimp 
you know, sometimes you'll, you know, be thinking like, you know, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp, you know. And then someone will just say, you know, plate of shrimp, you know, and it's out of nowhere, you know, it's out of context, it's out of the blue. You know, we have no explanation for it, no need for looking for one either. It's all about the, the great unconsciousness. See, that's why I don't drive, see? Because I like reading. Do a lot of reading on the bus. I think the more you drive, the less smart you are. Thank you for listening to the Knife Party Podcast. It's been Repo Man. I have a couple of guests coming in. I hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned. And uh, from all of us here at uh, the Knife Party Podcast, remember, be kind. And more importantly... Rewind. Public Picasso was never called an asshole. Now I do.
You still there? You still there? Good, 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 good. Check this out. This is secret. Um, the first Patreon member that subscribes when this when this uh, this whole thing drops gets their year for free. I'll reimburse you. Just when you subscribe during your little email and all that good stuff, put up Repo Man, and I'll know. All right, that's it. Stay tuned next week. Or in three days. I forgot. I do like a bunch of episodes a week. All right, love you. Bye.